A terrifying shudder in strings opens part two. Mahler will begin his second symphony in much the same way. As the strings soften to a tremolo, a somber march theme is stated quietly by bass strings. It is an embryonic version of the motive of the minstrel, who will play a dominant role in part two. Woodwinds wail discordant cries that sound like painful moans. Mahler will use similar chords with essentially the same painful illusions in both the first and second symphonies. Tension mounts as trumpet tattoos recall the heroism of the good brother from part one. Gradually, the music builds to a strong climax as a walking bass rhythm gives way to accented, rapid, descending scales in the bass the key reverts to the minor. Momentarily, the tension is relieved by the first reappearance of the Good Brothers motive on two horns. Its plaintive yet heroic character recalls the brave young knight who forfeited his life in an attempt to win the hand of the queen, his heart's desire. The minstrel's marching tune returns. We hear a brass chorale on the medieval Deus Irae chant that will later appear as a principal theme in the finale of Mahler's second symphony. Deus Irae here represents the revenge eventually to be taken by the good brother for the brothers' fratricide. Violins quietly play the minstrel's theme, a light, sauntering tune played to the walking bass rhythm and repeated by woodwinds. They soon are joined by the twittering bird song that accompanied the two brothers on their journey through the dark forest in part one. Notice a hint of the evil brother's motive, first played by a flute and then an oboe.
the alto soloist enters and describes the spot in the forest where the vile deed witnessed in part one was committed. She tells of the dead knight whose body lies buried under leaves and blossoms. The motive of woe, a descending minor second, from part one emphasizes the tragedy. The tenor describes the calm and fragrant atmosphere now sodden with weeping. He is joined by the soprano in a melting duet sung to the motive of sorrow, Olaida, which concludes with a descending phrase in the horns that recalls the motive of tragedy sung by the chorus in part one. March Tread from Part One returns as the tenor resumes his story. A minstrel once came to this place, he sings, and saw a bone shining out from among the scattered leaves. To the minstrel's own theme, the alto relates how the minstrel decided to carve a flute out of the bone. The minstrel resumes his wanderings. During the hushed passage that follows, the chorus calls to the minstrel with a fragment of his own theme as the tenor warns of the strange music that the minstrel's newly fashioned instrument will make. Tenor and alto sing the motive of sorrow, followed by the descending scales that are part of the motive of tragedy from part one. Strolling rhythms heard earlier now return to accompany the minstrel's theme played by horns and then oboes and clarinets. Trombones play the motive of the chase from part one. A presentment of doom hovers over the jaunty music of the minstrel. The alto tells of the moment when the minstrel puts the flute to his lips. He sings to the motive of the chase. A fragment of the minstrel's theme keeps repeating in the violins.
Alto and then soprano describe the bone flute's mournful song to a new motive that represents the bone flute itself. This segment ends with the doleful Olida refrain. Beginning calmly, an orchestral interlude follows in which the themes of the two brothers combine in woodwinds, accompanied by the same bird song that hovered over them in part one. The dour sounds of the motive of tragedy in bassoons and cellos are set against a hint of the Queen's theme from part one on the first horn, accompanied by shimmering string triplets. After this music softens into a sustained F major chord in strings, a powerful E-flat minor chord in flutes and horns shatters the somber atmosphere. It is answered by the same chord, this time exploding from the entire orchestra like a portent of catastrophe.
The alto begins with a new motive of declaratory yet threatening character, the motive of the bone flute's lament. It is sung in her lowest register, sounding like a mysterious Delphic pronouncement. The alto continues her tale as a horn plays the queen's motive. It would appear that the queen will reveal elements of the drama that will cause her own undoing. The bone flute, as if taking on the character of the dead brother, tells of how he was murdered for a brightly colored flower. The motive of woe sounds dolefully in the flutes. Suddenly the music becomes more agitated. The key reverts to a tragic C minor as the bone flute continues its sorrowful tale to the accompaniment of the motive of the adventure of the quest. This motive is played in the winds. As if by magic, the forest scene comes to life as the bone flute tells its tale to poignant cries of O Lida, O Lida. As the alto cries out a portentous utterance of woe, Woodwinds declaim the motive of the evil brother, reminding us of the one who was responsible for the tragedy. This terrifying passage reaches a climax as horns sound the motive of the tragic fate of the good brother from part one. This music leads to the formal reprise of the evil brother's motive, each bar beginning with chilling thrusts in the orchestra. Then the music calms down, and the minstrel's walking theme takes over. In the orchestral interlude that follows, we are presented with a musical depiction of the minstrel's journey to the castle that he has not yet consciously decided upon making. It is constructed out of a variety of motives, each of which plays a significant role in the drama and focuses on the marching theme of the minstrel.
to a variation of the evil brother's motive from part one that described the brother's frenzied race for the coveted flower, the chorus begins its recitation of the minstrel's travels. His theme is asserted courageously in horns and violins. A twisted version of a descending fragment from the minstrel's tune gives his journey a poignantly fateful character. C minor is now established to the walking bass rhythm. The alto enters with the question, what do you think of my song? And the chorus answers with cries of woe. Notwithstanding the tragic nature of this scene, we hear quite unexpectedly a glorious C major chord sounding as if from heaven. The chorus shouts, Hinauf, rise up, I must go to the royal castle, to the king's fair bride. And so the minstrel begins his fateful journey. The tonality soon shifts back to the minor, prophetic of the tragedy that awaits all, even remotely connected with the murder. In a state of frightened agitation, the soprano and tenor repeat the minstrel's portentous question, What make you of my singing? The chorus can do no more than respond with cries of sorrow. Part two ends with the elongated cries of Olida. These cries are stretched out until they gradually fade and descend to a sustained low C that is cut off by a final pizzicato note. 